Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. If you didn't hear, Twitter was ablaze this past week after RFK Jr. spent three hours on the Joe Rogan podcast. First, let me say that if you didn't hear it, it's a must-listen episode. For the first time in my life, a major platform with a massive audience allowed someone outside of the approved medical narrative to actually speak. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who is running for president to try to unseat Joe Biden in the Democratic, uh, for the Democratic nomination, is now getting quite a bit of press. But it's interesting. The type of press he's getting is not the type that you might think he would get. After all, he is a Democrat. So generally, the MSNBCs and CNNs and New York Times of the world, they would be the ones that are generally kind to Democrats. But RFK is getting more play on conservative talk shows, Fox News and other, uh, let's say, outside of the mainstream areas like Russell Brand and now Joe Rogan. So why is a Democrat running for president with maybe a legitimate shot? We'll talk about the shot that he might have. Why is he getting no love from the liberal mainstream media. Well, this show's not really about politics, at least not just about politics. If I'm going to dive into politics, pretty much I'm going to dive into the politics of healthcare, And that's what this show is about today. RFK Jr. is the son of Robert F. Kennedy, if you didn't know that, and the nephew of JFK, both of whom were, of course, assassinated as I'm sure you know. He's an environmental attorney who has made his mark litigating against corporations who are polluting and dumping toxins in the waterways, etc. He's found, or he has fought against the likes of Monsanto and many other megacorps who put profits above safety and has been known for a long time to be a very effective litigator in that field. In fact, he's been extremely effective. He's done some incredible things for our environment as an environmental attorney. But about 18 years ago, he started looking into something a little bit different. He started looking into the mercury in the environment and mercury in vaccines. And that led him onto a different path. Because of this, well, the media almost never mentions his name. And if they do mention his name, they mention it very closely followed by anti-vaxxer or vaccine misinformation spreader or something along those lines, which is, of course, the kiss of death for any kind of media love at all. After all, 70 plus percent of corporate media advertising is brought to you by Big Pharma. So they don't take kindly to anyone, even presidential candidates, maybe especially presidential candidates, who raise any red flags about the safety of their products. So even now, as a legitimate presidential candidate, getting about 20% in the polls for the Democratic nomination after just entering the race two months ago, 
And really, at this point anyway, the only viable option for Democrats who don't want to vote for Biden, which frankly most Democrats have said they would prefer that Biden does not run again, you'd think that guy, RFK Jr., would get some sort of publicity, at least interviewing him from time to time. But no, almost total crickets. In fact, they are largely launching smear campaigns against his candidacy. YouTube routinely takes down any interviews that he's ever done, even since he's become a presidential candidate. He is censored more than maybe anyone in this country right now. And if any of the mainstream media does mention RFK Jr., it sounds like this. RFK Jr., the anti-vaxxer who is also running for president, it's always something about him being a conspiracy theorist, an anti-vaxxer. It's not just about he's running for president. So when Joe Rogan gave him three hours, it caused quite a stir. Just like when Joe Rogan had Dr. Robert Malone on to talk about the mRNA vaccines or Dr. Peter McCullough on to talk about the same topics during the COVID pandemic. Rogan had those guys on and it caused quite a stir. People telling Spotify they should get rid of the Joe Rogan show altogether and urging Spotify to put up a little COVID message saying that uh, if you want real facts about COVID, of course, go to the CDC's website. Because after all, the only people that know anything about science and medicine in this world work at the CDC. Well, Guess what? Even though everything's kind of stacked against this guy, RFK Jr., the media doesn't like him. He has to go to podcasts to get interviewed. He can't go on CNN or MSNBC. He's been a little bit on Fox News, interestingly enough, which is funny, again, because he is a Democrat, not a Republican, who Fox tends to favor, right? People seem to actually like this guy, this RFK Jr., guy. This guy who apparently is a conspiratorial crazy person. You wouldn't know, though, that they like him. Not if you're going to read the headlines in places like the New York Times. Uh, here's one for you. RFK Jr. has a big primary problem. Democrats like Joe Biden. But that just isn't true. It's a headline, and like most headlines, it is designed to leave an impression on the reader and hopes that the reader won't read the whole article. Truth is that RFK Jr. is more liked by, well, everyone, <laughs> it seems. Okay, sure, he's not more liked by everyone. Some people do like Biden better. Some people like Trump better. Some people like DeSantis better, and so on and so on. But you know what? He's liked more than anyone else running, according to a recent poll. Robert Kennedy Jr. was viewed favorably by 49% of respondents, almost 50%, and unfavorably by just 30%, meaning there were 21% who had no opinion. So 49% favor him, 30% don't. What they do with this particular poll is uh, they subtract the number, the favorable number versus the unfavorable number, and that leaves him with a net of 19 points. Well, that's higher than any other candidate in the poll, 
which surveyed 1,500 adult respondents from June 10th to June 13th. Biden had a negative nine-point net favorability rating, with 52% of respondents viewing him somewhat or very unfavorably, while 45% had very or somewhat favorable impressions. So he had a negative nine and Trump had a negative 10 net rating with 53% viewing him unfavorably and 43% favorably. DeSantis wasn't favorable. Nobody was favorable, but Kennedy was favorable to the tune of 19 points. So no matter what the media wants you to believe about Kennedy or whether or not they want you to like him, it doesn't seem to be working. So I have this, this, personality trait, we'll say. Um, I haven't always had this personality trait. And I'll tell you that I I learned it from my dad. But as a younger man and a confessed people pleaser of many years, I wasn't one who liked to rock the boat. Now, if you listen to Vitality Radio, you might think, really? You? Well, things have changed. (laughs) And now I don't care all that much what people think about what I think or what I believe. I still try to be very nice to people. I still don't like to upset people, but I am happy to tell you what I believe is true, whether you agree with me or not. And that's how my dad always was, and I appreciated that. But that's not the personality trait I'm talking about. The personality trait I'm talking about is the one where if I'm told to look here, I tend to like to look over there. If I'm told to believe this, I tend to like to look at the other side of this and see if that may actually be the truth. If you tell me to look away, I tend to look deeper. If media, corporations, and especially government are telling me to look at something, I'm definitely going to look the other way and see what they're wanting to try to not get me to look at. I hope you're doing a lot of that yourself. So what's the deal with RFK Jr.? Well, he wants double-blind, placebo-controlled safety studies to be done on vaccines. That has never happened. Happens with all other drugs. He also thinks that vaccine manufacturers should be held liable if if their vaccines hurt somebody. But they're not. Since 1986, they haven't been held liable, even though they're liable for all the other types of drugs. He wants to know why the hepatitis B vaccine, which is only needed by people who are sexually promiscuous or sharing needles, why that's given to newborn babies of mothers who are not drug addicts or sexually promiscuous. Why is that mandated for all kids, or at least almost mandated for all kids, we'll say, when they're first born? He wants to understand that. He wants to know why the EPA and the FDA can't agree on a safe level of mercury and aluminum. Both are government agencies after all, but both are owned and controlled by different industries, according to RFK Jr. He raises many good questions that should probably be considered, but at every turn he is denied any real publicity for his questions and is immediately discredited as a conspiracy theorist and an anti-vaxxer. Well, Joe Rogan decided that he was going to give RFK Jr. a spot at the table with his millions and millions of listeners. And a guy who's a vaccine expert, who you may or may not have heard of, if you've already heard about this dust up, don't worry, I'm going to tell you why I'm talking about it here in just a moment. Peter Hotez, who'd also been on Joe Rogan, said, 
you should have never put him on there, Joe. He tweeted about it, in fact. He was disappointed in Joe Rogan for having RFK on because he's a misinformation spreader. In fact, he then tweeted something, which he quickly removed, saying that Rogan, Musk, RFK Jr., and Tucker Carlson are a part of a neo-fascist movement in this country, which is hilarious because a fascist is a far right-wing extremist, and neither Musk, Rogan, or RFK Jr. are even to the right of center. They're all to the left of center, which makes them not very fascistic, if that's a word. (laughs) But he pulled that tweet, but not before Joe Rogan found it and said, are you sure I'm not a neo-fascist, Peter? (laughs) It's been kind of fun to watch. And if you haven't uh, watched it, jump on Twitter and read up. There's a lot of really good stuff on there. So Rogan replied that if Hotez is concerned about vaccine misinformation, he should come on the show and debate him. Not only that, he offered $100,000 to Hotez's favorite charity if he would do that. Hotez, of course, refused. So many others then started adding to the pot, saying, well, maybe if $100,000 is not enough, then we'll chip in. And now it's up to $2.6 million to the charity of Hotez's choice to just debate RFK on the Joe Rogan podcast. It should be an easy debate for Hotez. He's a vaccine scientist. RFK is not a scientist at all, but an attorney. But, of course, RFK is a litigator, so probably very good at debate. And maybe Hotez isn't so good at debate. And so, guess what? Rogan said, name your champion, whoever you want to debate RFK. This is a debate that has to happen. And Elon Musk said the same thing and then chimed in with saying he won't debate because he knows he's wrong. Because it really should be an easy debate. If the science is really settled, if they have all the evidence that they say they have about safety and effectiveness, it should be an easy debate because RFK is supposedly making up all of his claims. Hotez says all of his claims are backed by science. It's an open and shut case, right? Well, apparently not. So what have we actually learned as a general public in America in the last three years from the start of COVID? I don't know what you feel you have learned, but I'll tell you what I think I have learned, and I think I'm not alone in this. There is a narrative from media, government, and pharma, and most corporations. It is taught in schools, and it is truly dogmatic. In other words, it is true, period. Don't question the narrative, because if you do, you are anti-science. You are a misinformation spreader. You are a conspiracy theorist or an anti-vaxxer, or if you're lucky, you just might be all four. If you do question the narrative, you get banned, blackballed, lose your job, lose your friends, and in many cases, even lose your family. There is no science where there is no debate. I'm going to say that again. There is no science where there is no debate. That's why we have peer review to actually allow other scientists to look at what that particular scientist has done and say, yeah, that's good science, or it's not. Raise questions. It's not quite the same as a podcast debate, but it is debate. And the scientific method begs, begs and pleads for people to question theories and hypothesis. Right? That's what science is. 
I've covered many scientific things on Vitality Radio, and I'm not a scientist, but I can read and I can think. We now know that scientific theories, even some that were very deeply held, and even some that had pretty good evidence that would lead someone to believe that they may be true, aren't always proven out. And we can go way back in time to when everybody thought the world was flat, right? And there's all kinds of other examples of that. But yeah, that was a long time ago. Now we're in modern times. We have computers. We have machines to do much of the science for us. But we have a scientific method for a reason. And that method, in large part, has to do with challenging the beliefs that we are currently holding, the theories that we have about science until we can prove that they're either right or wrong. And a true scientist would potentially have an opinion, but try to withhold bias, really wanting to know, am I right or am I wrong? If a scientific theory, though, makes billions of dollars for the drug company that made drugs based on that theory, even once it's disproven or proven to be unsafe, it is held on to like it is their religion. We know that the serotonin hypothesis isn't true. It's been disproven. And not by people like me, not by Joe Rogan, not by RFK, by scientists that have basically said, you know what, the more we look into this, the more we realize that people aren't depressed because they have low serotonin. But that's what that whole class of SSRI drugs was made for. And even though we know now that they don't work better than placebos, we know that, okay? That's been proven. It is in the scientific literature. It has been published in medical journals. We know it. And even mainstream media, in some cases, has reported on it. There was a 14-page report on it in Newsweek back in 2014, almost 10 years ago, that said the serotonin hypothesis is probably wrong. Researchers and doctors since then have continued to pile on and say, you know what, we need to look at something else for depression. This isn't it. But neither pharma nor the government will change the prescribing rules for depression. It's still being prescribed as if it is a serotonin deficiency that creates this issue for people. We also know that cholesterol doesn't cause heart disease and that cholesterol drugs don't prevent heart disease in more than maybe one person in 180. And that depends on which research you read. But I can tell you that we need more science there so that we can actually 100% know what's going on, at least as much as we can ever 100% know anything. It's in the medical journals that cholesterol drugs don't actually reduce heart disease by hardly any, if at all. It's been proven, which means the cholesterol hypothesis probably should have, you know, changed things in terms of how cholesterol drugs are prescribed, but it hasn't. Still, statin drugs are the most prescribed in America. So just two examples, there are many more, where science used to believe this, science now believes that, but we're still going with this, the previous belief, 
which is making billions of dollars for the manufacturers of these drugs, we're going to stick with that because, well, frankly, we don't have a drug that we can sell if we agree with the real new science that has been discovered more recently. So what's maddening to me is that now mainstream media is hosting Peter Hotez. CNN has had him on. MSNBC has had him on since this Joe Rogan debacle. Because Rogan doesn't want to talk to just Peter Hotez. Rogan wants to host a debate with Hotez and RFK Jr. And so the very pharma-friendly companies of CNN and MSNBC have brought Hotez on and magazines and newspapers are all writing and saying things like, well, it'd be terrible if he debated, debated RFK. You can't give a conspiracy theorist that much attention. We know vaccines are safe and effective, so why debate? It is a scientific consensus. Don't humor him. The science is settled. It will just cause doubts in the hearts of Americans, they say. Well, you know what that means to me? And frankly, I hope it means to you as well that they think we're too stupid to listen to both sides of an issue and come away with the truth. We're too stupid to do that. We're just lowly citizens. We're not scientists. We're not politicians. We're not attorneys. We're just dummies that have to be told what to believe. And then we have to have any counterpoints silenced so that we can't even consider that what we've been told to believe isn't unequivocally true. Well, guess what? I don't believe that we are stupid. We the people can think, at least most of us, we the people need to be treated like adults. After all, the truth is like a lion. We should set it free. It will defend itself. I heard an amazing podcast called The Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling. I highly recommend it. It's a short podcast, I think seven episodes. J.K. Rowling, of course, the author of Harry Potter. And I don't care if you like Harry Potter or if you like J.K. Rowling or how you feel about her stance. But she said something in that podcast that I thought was incredibly profound. And I really, really try to do this myself in ways that I never did before. She said, you should distrust yourself most when you are certain. You should distrust yourself the most when you are certain. And I believe that 100% to be true because we all believe things. Some of those things are true and some are not. And that is the truth with every single human being on this planet. We all have false beliefs and we all have true beliefs, some more than others and some in different areas than others. But it applies to all of us. You can't look back on your life, I don't believe, if you're being honest with yourself, and say that you haven't changed your opinion about something, that you had a very strong opinion about at one point, and now it's different. Or that you believed something to be true, and now you think, how could I have ever believed that? Well, if that's the case, which one of you is right? The one that believed it then or the one that believes a different thing now? I would guess, in most cases, at least 
as you're seeing it from your perception, that the current belief you hold is the true one because you've discarded that other one. I would also hope that you didn't do that flippantly, that you looked at that truth that you believed and not out of convenience discarded it and grabbed a more convenient truth, but actually questioned it and did the critical thinking required to determine if that truth was indeed true. As I was saying, we all believe things. And to find the truth, we must question, debate, think critically, and be willing to see both sides and even be willing to be wrong. How would that be? How would that be if everyone in this divisive world that we now live in would be willing to believe that they might be wrong and be willing to listen to a counter opinion and read and research and test the truth that they believed that they knew? I encourage you to do that. As I have done it, I have found greater and deeper and better truth than the previous truths that, frankly, I used to think were true. That was a lot of truths there, right? Here's what it boils down to for me. Cowards like Peter Hotez will always hide behind thin walls of what they call scientific consensus. They will gaslight us into questioning our intelligence because they are science just like Fauci was science, and we are just people. Well, guess what? The world once was flat. Doctors once recommended cigarettes. Margarine was once considered healthier than butter, all because science. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's show, Call us 801-292-6662 or jump on our website, vitalitynutrition.com. Thank you for listening. I'm Jared Sinclair, and this has been Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.